Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot, a tennis podcast by fans for fans with Joel and Kim. Today, we are going to be looking back on the quarterfinals and fourth round action at the Australian Open. We're halfway through the quarterfinal stage for the men and women. Uh, and we're going to start, Kim, with talking about the action from today. And I feel like there's only one place we can really start, and that is Roger Federer versus Tennis Sangren. How on earth did Roger Federer come out of that match the winner? Because at two sets of one down, I just thought, well, this is well, the end. Well, and also he, he was seven match points down, not in a row, but I, I don't know how on earth he's still in the tournament uh, having saved seven match points. Um, it's pretty incredible, especially as he was, you know, seemed to be suffering um, with, I think it was a groin issue and, you know, it was really limiting him. And I, I don't know how he managed to come through it and then and then win it in, in, in the fifth. It's... I mean, I don't know what's left for his match against Djokovic in the semi-final, but I mean, what a match! I've, I was totally not expecting what we saw uh, last night. Not at all. Well, I do you know what? Actually, I think I'm. I feel like I I'm not completely surprised by it because I think you know over the last few matches, starting obviously with with John Milman and then Fuchovic. Apologies if I said that wrong. We went on the website. I heard, I heard how you pronounce it. And I think that's how you say it. Um, you know, they definitely showed that. You know, Federer. You know, yes, the first two rounds were very routine, but since then, th- those players have shown that Federer does have a vulnerability, and I think Sangren as well. He just showed that Federer is is vulnerable this tournament, and you know, I think that vulnerability is interesting because it brought out of Roger Federer that. I, you know, I don't think we normally really kind of associate with because I think, you know, when we think about Roger Federer, we think Wimbledon, we think style and elegance and, you know, class and on a on a tennis court. But but really this match against Sangren, it was a you know, it was a complete opposite, wasn't it? It was gritty, you know, he wasn't playing good tennis and it was just, you know, he just needed to find yeah, a way to win. he was shanking quite a lot. Um, shankerer, as, as many like to refer to him as, <laughs> or errorer. Um, yeah, he became very flustered. <laughs> I love that. And then, yeah, he also got an, uh, a warning from the umpire for an audible obscenity, yeah, which we don't see very often from Federer. So I guess that was tantamount evidence that Zangren was getting under his skin. Um, I suppose I'm not really surprised that, you know, it was a bit of a contest, but I just, I just think the manner of it and the fact that Sangren was so so incredibly close to actually winning and and Federer's escaped a really tight match yet again um you know it's it's amazing that he's into semi-finals having survived Milman and now Sangren and um I mean it's 
it's testament to to Federer, actually. You know, we don't often maybe think of him as being a real gutsy fighter in the same way that we would have, you know, that we think of, of Rafa. But um, it, it just goes to show that he he does what he needs to do and he gets the job done, even if he's, you know, struggling physically. And, you know, we, we saw at the US Open when he played, you know, Dimitrov and lost, lost that one. You know, he had that back issue. Um, and, you know, he came out afterwards and said that, he it might be okay after a couple of days. So, you know, we don't know what his his fitness and his physical situation is like this groin issue might might be okay in in the semi-final. So we can't sort of rule out that he's gonna be a complete goner. Um I know you've said, Joel, um, that you think it'll be a demolition job uh against Djokovic. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a that competitive, but maybe maybe it won't be a complete whitewash. Um but yeah, I mean, I just think Fed fans, wow, I, I can't imagine what stress they were under we'll, in this in the fourth final. I mean, we'll we'll see because, as you said, he it looks like he has some sort of groin injury. We we do know Roger Federer as a player who, you know, I think he's never retired yeah, from a tennis match, is which crazy. is an unbelievable I had no statistic. Idea that, that was um, that, that was his his record that he's never single, never ever retired. Um, from over well fifteen hundred matches he's played in his career, over that amount, he never retired. I mean, I don't know if that includes juniors and what have you, but that's that's crazy. And and yeah, and also um, other stats being banded around. You know, this is the first time Federer's first five matches at a Slam have all been against players ranked outside the top forty, and this might very well be his toughest route through to the semi-finals, like in terms of. The, the closest well, yeah, to defeat I, that he's been, you know, which is, you wouldn't put the two together, I, would I know. you? I know. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking, I thought it's, it's almost the complete opposite. You know, it's like on paper, he's had one of the easiest mm. routes, you know, through to you know, semi-finals of a Grand Slam in his career, as you said, playing players outside the top 40. But then at the same time, it's almost been one of his, is one of, one of his most scrappiest because, yeah, he's had to really fight, um, you know, from the brink of defeat on on multiple occasions against you know Milman um, and now and now Sangren. So, you know, we shall see. But yeah, his opponent will be dun 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 Novak Djokovic. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> That's a real big chop. Um, that one <laughs> came through. Came through against uh, Milos. Ranich, Ranich, Apologies, I listeners. Think. We'll get that right at some point. Uh, it came through straight sets. Um, I don't think he's lost ever against uh, Milos. 10 wins from 10. I mean, to be honest, Kim, I feel like the only the only thing that was going to defeat Djokovic uh, today was his contact Yeah, he seemed lenses. to be having issues in the third set and uh, had to take a medical time out. And he, you know, was sort of squinting and uh, looked a bit, looked a tiny bit concerned i suppose um but yeah when it went to a tie break in the third set i thought oh maybe milosh could uh you know just sneak sneak a set but it wasn't to be i think it was like seven one in the tie break so um yeah completely straightforward for djokovic and you know he's now into the semi-finals for i don't know the umpteenth time um and i don't think he's ever lost um a semi-final or a final at the Australian Open. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when he gets to this stage, he is, you know, so, I mean, he's looking good for an eighth title, um, isn't he? It's it's just par for the course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think, like, yeah, he, 
he came through. He did what he needed to do. You know, I think Milos has he's given himself a, a good account of himself this tournament. Um, because yeah, we weren't really talking about him even as kind of like the the you know the best you know Canadian player you know um, who we thought was were gonna was gonna go furthest. But um, yeah, no, I think he's given him a really good account of himself. I just think you know it, it seems that Djokovic has almost got his number like he does on lots of other opponents because I, I was reading. Djokovic has now defeated 21 opponents um, on 10 or more occasions at tour level. Um, and there's only there's only four players that have lost more matches uh, and not won um, than, than Raonic. And they are Gael Monfils, Jeremy Shardy and Andreas Seppi, who all have... Ter- terrible be, um, Novak's first three rounds at Roland Garros, probably. <laughs> they three players in a row. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, he's played Monfils 16, 16 times yeah, and won all of them. That's... Shardy 13 times, Seppi 12 times, 100%. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, we do have a Roger versus Novak semi-final. That's the 50th time that they're going to meet. And Djokovic has a slight edge, 26 to 23. Uh, Kim, as I said, um, well, as we said on Twitter earlier, I genuinely think this is going to be a dem- demolition job. I, I think I'm already convinced it's going to be I mean, if, if Federer turns up on court, because I don't think that's a guarantee, to be honest. Well, um, uh, you know, I think yeah, we find I mean, out. He's not a, retired from a match, but he has, I assume, withdrawn before a match. But I don't see him not turning up. I, I don't know. It, has, it would have to be very bad for that to happen because you just you never know what's going to happen on the court. I'm not sure it's going to be a demolition. It might be like a small accident. Um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to put it into like... <laughs> Car crash turns here. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. Can you see it being four sets? Four? I can't even see it being I four think sets. Unless Djokovic's contact lenses are playing up again and he really can't see and he, you know, even see the ball. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Federer did win their last meeting at the, at the O2. I know that's a different ball game completely, really. Um, but, you know, and obviously Wimbledon final, the last time they met in a slam, that was a crazy match. So, we, I don't want to say um, completely predict because we've seen some unpredictable things happen this tournament. So, but I assume that will be what Thursday night session. Uh, so, yeah, it will be. Well, I think that you know that that will help somewhat in Federer's recovery having the night session. Um, you know, small mercies, but. Yeah, um, let's let's have a look at what's happening tomorrow. So we've got two more quarterfinals. Um, let's start with um, Zverev against Wawrinka. You know, this is perhaps a quarterfinal we didn't expect. Uh, Zverev has made it through. He's the only male player to go through without dropping a set, which I certainly think yeah. is... is <laughs> I was not foreseeing that. Uh, I remember on our preview pod, we were just kind of assuming he wouldn't even get to like the fourth round. Walking. So... Yeah. We just thought he was going to be a walking, you know, walking mm. seed going into the draw. I mean, he had absolutely no form in the ATB Cup. I think he lost all his matches. His serve was on the blink, serving double faults left, right and centre. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what has happened, whether, whether you know, the magic spray has been applied, but... Um, yeah, he's just been on really good form and just coming through players that, you know, you would expect him to be up to Rublev um, with minimal fuss. And then, yeah, I think 
I think that that three that straight sets win against Rublev for me that was almost kind of his that that was a statement victory because of how little you know fuss that you know he took care of a player you know probably the most informed player you know, on the season uh, in the season up to that point with with two titles so um yeah I think I I I think that could go either way to be honest yeah um, I think it could no, I, think I mean I still would give Stan the edge just purely you know because of his Grand Slam experience you know he's won three Grand Slams he's been at the stage many times before but I think Zverev's feeling quite relaxed I think he's just probably maybe mentally just in a better place at the moment and people won't be I think that people m- most people will be expecting Stan like as the favorite so I think Sverov probably wouldn't put too much pressure on himself, but it's an in, it's an intriguing type, uh, you know, matchup. Do you know? I was thinking when you know when Zverev announced that he um, was going to donate if he won the tournament, he was going to donate prize money, all the prize money to the the bushfire appeal. And I loved how you know the the reaction to begin with was a bit like, oh, he's just doing that because he knows he won't get to the final. Well, he's edging <laughs> but actually, closer. the tone, the tone <laughs> has changed. The tone has changed, and you know, I think a te- you know testament to that is you know going back to his serve ATP cut. He served 31 double faults in seven sets at the ATP Cup. And so far in Melbourne, in 12 sets, he's only hit 10 double faults. So, you know, he must have been he must have been working on, on his serve. And, you know, for me, almost like that is the barometer for his you know, performance. If his serve is working, um, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with. But if his serve is, you know, off the boil, then, you know, it's a quick you know, it could end in a kind of a, a quick defeat. So I think that will be, you know, the shot that I think is going to kind of potentially decide the outcome of, of who gets to the, the semifinals. But I actually, I think I'm actually going to back Zverev in, in that match because as as I said, I think he's had, he's had less time on court. Um, I think everything's going right for him in his, in his life and he feels really happy and positive. And um, yeah, I, I kind of back him to kind of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I know the Vavrinka's got the experience, but yeah, I'm going to back Zverev. Maybe, uh, you know, if, if he does go on to win the title, he should credit Belinda Bencic for the improvement in his serve because <laughs> she was the one that called him out on Twitter <laughs> saying he should yep. donate for every, you know, double vault that he hit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just Stan... <sighs> You know, yes, I, I can see it going both ways, I suppose. But I think Stan winning over Medvedev, I think that was a really like key indicator for me that Stan might be on something here, on a roll. I think it's quite, I think he's quite pleased that he's able to dispel, you know, Medvedev, you know, new world number four kind of, I think Stan sees himself you know, really in that position, like just behind the big three. And I think by beating Medvedev, he's like trying to, you know, prove a point that, you know, actually I'm the next thing after the big three. Like, I, I don't know. I just, oh, I don't know. And, and also out of everyone left in the tournament, I think the only way that maybe Djokovic could not win the AA would be a Stan, you know, went on a roll and beat him in the final. You know, he seems to be the the bogeyman for Djokovic um, in slams. But yeah, I mean, that one, yeah, it's, Oh, I, I don't know. I can't really predict. I, I'm still going to go Stan. Um, and then also we've got Rafa against Dominic Team in the quarterfinal, which um, again, I don't, I would say Rafa, but uh, a lot of people are actually going for Team on this one. I think because, you know, we saw Team's form on a hard court, the, 
you know, last year, especially ATP finals, he was, you know, very, very impressive. And then also the last time that he met Rafa in a slam on a hard court was their match at the US Open. In the US Open. Uh, well, mm. 2018, I think it was. Yeah, I know he bagged Rafa. Was it that in the first set, I think? And, you know, Rafa edged it in a yeah. last set tie break. But, well, that, you know, that was incredibly close. And if, if that, if team shows up, you know, in that form again, uh, well, Rafa's going to have a lot to to reckon with yeah it's it's an odd one because you see nadal versus team and you think oh that's a you know that's a clay court uh, yeah that's a clay court matchup but attach you know actually the, the you know their match um on the hard courts at flushing meadow just showed you what a you know what show they can put on for the fans um on a hard court as well and i think that is testament you know obviously to nadal and how well he plays across all the you know different court surfaces but you know how much Dominic Team has improved on a hard court. The fact that you know he can he can bring it to the big three on on different surfaces now. It's not just you know it's not just clay court. And um, yeah, again, I think it, I I could see that very easily going um, you know going five sets. I think you know similar to Zverev, I wasn't I wasn't actually expecting Team to be you know at, at this stage. I think we do um, need to eat our you know, words, Joel, he... because in our preview pod, if anyone was listening, <laughs> we did say that we didn't see Team getting to the quarters. Like both of us <laughs> and then you know he'll probably go and defeat Rafa and then I'll just famous last words you know <laughs> but I mean he was he was two sets to one down against that Alex true. Bolt uh, yeah. Wild card. yeah um you know I mean in the second round and you know I think I mean he yeah he, I still think he can kind of blow hot and cold in a match and you know if he does that against someone of Nadal's caliber it's like are you really mm. going to be able to kind of sure. get back into it um, so I still, I still probably will back Nadal. I think he's looked very good this week. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of see Nadal. I think a Nadal Zverev semi-final to go with uh, Novak, Novak Fed for me. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm going to say Rafa <laughs> Stan Novak Fed. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, that would be a throwback. It would be a throwback. It? It, uh... it would be indeed. Um, yeah. Let, let, and also just just a note on on the Rafa Kyrgios match. Uh, what, what did you make of that? Because I mean, I'm just relieved that Rafa came through that. You know, as a as a Rafa fan, uh, especially when he he served for it and Nick broke back, and I thought, oh gosh. And then I think was it in the third <laughs> set tie break, uh, Kyrgios double faulted, and then Rafa double faulted on set point, yeah. and I thought, oh no. Um, so that had me, you know, quite tense, but. Um, you know, I thought that was, I was identical. Uh, it was yeah, an identical scoreline to their Wimbledon. Yeah. Identical scoreline to Wimbledon. But which the, I the was tone of the match like, was different, odd, wasn't but... it? You know, Wimbledon, there, there was quite a bit of animosity mm. and, uh, you know, aggression sort of happening. And, you know, Kyrgios sort of aimed that shot at Rafa, didn't he? And there was, you know, a tension. Yeah. But this time it seemed much more kind of pleasant. Um, and it was it was a yeah, nicer I, match I to watch i think for me i know a lot of people love kind of the that aggravation mm. but i i genuinely was going into that match thinking it's only a matter of time before you know you know as i said nadal's at the net and and Kyrgios will hit a body shot but that sort of there wasn't that really sort of moment the to kind of light you know ignite the 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 match and it just yeah it just kind of played out as a tennis match that was really competitive, really fun to watch. It almost didn't need that sort of controversial element to it because, you know, the tennis mm, was so good was. and it was so, you know, you could feel the, you know, the tension in the atmosphere. And, you know, I think Nadal will be happy that, you know, he had someone like 
Kyrgios as a test, you know, in round four because, um, you know, I think he, you know, he Absolutely. needed it. Yeah, and, I, I agree. And I think that puts him in, you know, it puts him in really good stead for, you know, his, um, you know, his quarterfinal against against team because, uh, yeah, I just think he needed that he needed a test. And you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, Kyrgios uh, Alta came out of it. You know, in the press conference, um, you know, he said, which I thought was quite interesting. He said he, over the course of the you know the last couple of weeks, he's he's made progress not just as a tennis player, Kim, but as a human being. And you know, have we seen a new Nick Kyrgios this season, or do you do you buy that, Kim? Or uh, well, I, so far he hasn't do done anything. Just... You know to. He's not done anything like naughty, has he so far? Um, maybe this, this six month sort of probationary ban, you know, that the ATP gave him, um, ha- has, has helped. I, I don't know. Cause I think that will be ending, well, probably around now. Um, I know that was only applicable to ATP events, not, not ITF, but, um, yeah, I think maybe with the bushfires, you know, he's been, he's playing sort of for, you know, in the ATP Cup, he was playing for his country. And here, you know, that's been a big motivator, you know, what's been going on in, in, in his country. So, I don't know. I, I, hopefully, he's turned a corner. Um, I mean, he certainly, yeah. I think, is going to need think, to because yeah. what he, how he's been behaving so far hasn't hasn't helped him, you know, progress any further, you know, in slam. Mm. So, he's going to need to change his attitude to, to, to get to, like, the latter stages of slams, doesn't he? Yeah. And I think... I think he could climb back into the the, the world's top twenty yes. next week, and you know, obviously, if, the higher he goes up in the rankings, you know, the more attention he's going to get. And I think it it would almost be better for him if he just kind of yeah focused on his tennis because you know the the stakes will be higher, and um, you know, yeah, it's it's I I, I still think we're going to get some flash moments, but uh, you know, I think yeah, he, we've seen we've seen the good side of Nick Kyrgios, and yeah, I hope it I hope it can continue because you know I think. He's shown what a credit to you know the tour to you know tennis Australia he can be. So um, you know it'd be a shame for him to almost kind of go and like almost like ruin it once this probation is over and he you know he does you know gets defaulted or or something or other. But um, yeah, let's let's wait and see. But um, yeah, that's kind of rounding up uh, the men's side of the draw. We're going to take a quick ad break now and we'll be back to discuss the women's side. So, Joel, we've got the first of our ladies semi-finals set. Ash Barty, world number one, and Sophia Kennan uh, is the 14th seed. I don't think any of us had this in our predictions. Okay, yes, Barty, but I don't think we saw Kennan. But Kennan's come through the section of the draw that obviously had Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka, etc. So let's let's begin with Barty. You know, we saw a rematch of last year's quarterfinal with uh, her and Petra Kvitova. Very different kind of state of affairs this time round, though. You know, Barty is now the world number one. And actually, her last three matches with Kvitova, Barty, Barty has beaten her. Whereas before, you know, she had never beaten her. So she's really kind of overturned their head-to-head. And, you know, last year she lost in straight sets. This year she she beat Kvitova in straight sets. Um, bit of a close first set. Kvitova went a breakup, was playing lights out uh, at the start. Could Vitova should have won I, that yeah, first set? I mean, yeah, testament yeah. to Barty and how much of a you know fighter fighter she is. But I think you know, I think the turning point you know of that match was Absolutely. that first set, and I think Kvitova will be kicking herself. Uh, I think she had set point as well. Um, yeah, she should. I think she should have won that first set. But Barty, you know, as I said, to all her credit, you know, was able to kind of 
just kind of keep at it, stick at it, and was you know able to to nab it on the tiebreak and and basically rolled rolled away with yeah, it. Yeah, just there. goes to show you know, how much Barty has has improved within the space of a year. Like um, you know this this kind of match right really showed that. Um, yeah, she's the first Australian woman to reach the semis here since 1984. So she is making history for Australia. Obviously, the whole nation, I assume, will be behind her in her next match or next two matches, um, they're hoping. And yeah, she's playing Kenin next. And I think they, you know, Kenin has beaten Barty before. Um, and I, Kenin is a player that is is not scared of, of much. She, you know, she will fight to the bitter end and chase everything down. So I don't think it's a walk in the park for Barty uh, on Thursday. I think it could go three sets. I think she's going to have to, you know, not assume anything and dig deep, but I, I would give Barty the edge. Um, you know, she's obviously come through a tougher draw, I would say, than, than Kenin. Um, and Kenin, you know, she be on Yabor in her quarterfinal. And actually on, on that point, on Kenin's draw, I was looking at it earlier. I don't actually think she's played a seeded player uh, to, in her route in her route to the semi-final so definitely making the most of um you know what on paper is probably quite a you know quite a nice draw i think the funny thing is you know we were talking you know in our preview about you know an american getting to you know the semi-finals or potentially the final of the australian open but we were talking about serena williams we weren't talking about sophia kennan and uh you know it just shows you as you know as we kind of keep saying you know over the kind of a this, you know, this season and last season about the strength and depth of of women's tennis for uh, you know the United States. Um, yeah, it, it's it's um, you know it really is really is going strong at the moment. I don't know how they're going to pick the you know the, Olymp- the Olympic spots, but um, that is going to be an absolute. That's going to be a race in itself because yeah, there just seems to be you know they just all seem to be kind of pushing each other to do you know to do their best. And yeah, Kenin Kenin will be tough. I think it will be kind of, a, I don't think there'll be that contrast in styles. I think they're quite similar in terms of, you know, they're just looking to get every ball back and they, you know, they've got great kind of presence all around the court. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be an interesting one. I think it'll be a kind of a tight two. Yeah. But I kind of, you're going to have to give Barty the edge, um, you know, given her experience and. Yeah. You'd have um, to put your money no, on I don't Barty, think wouldn't will you? Be I mean, you stop. Yeah. I don't think Kenan will be no. phased by, you know, an Australian crowd. Um, but uh, yeah, you'd, you'd still kind of think Barty should, should yeah, come Yeah, and Kenan, you know, she is one victory away from, from breaking into the top 10. So if she does, you know, pull off an upset, uh, reach the final, she'll be mm-hmm. she'll be in the top 10. But I mean, I feel like it's only a matter of time maybe before she gets to the top 10 anyway. Um but yeah, and just a note on, on Ball, you know, that match with, with Kenan, it was straight sets, but it was closer than than maybe the scoreline suggests. And, you know, she did have quite a number of break points against Kenan. Those but Kenan, you know, mm. managed to save pretty much all of them, uh, bar one. Um, and I think on is she's going to break into the top 50 um, when the new rankings are released next week. So that's a reward she for got, her effort. I feel like she's, she's going to, again, you know, hopefully be storming up those rankings in, in no, no time. She got a call in from the president really? of Tunisia, oh, apparently. that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, she has know. made history. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, she's the first first Arab woman to reach, you know, this stage of a Grand Slam. And yeah, a definitely, um, definitely very proud achievement for her over the last 
the last week or so. So our money's on Barty. Um, who who is it going to be in the other semi final? So we've got two quarterfinals Ooh. being played tomorrow. Simona Halep against Annette Contivate. Um, Halep's looking to reach semi finals for the second time in three years. She overcame uh, Elise Merton six four six four in the last round. Uh, whereas Contivate, you know, other end of the scale. This is her first quarterfinal of a slam so she is in unheralded territory uh have no idea whether she's gonna crumble uh in the spotlight or whether she's gonna you know pull off an upset she's never beaten Hallett before but they haven't played in three years so who knows you got to back Hallett. You got to back the. You got to back the grand, the you know, a grand, a grand slam champion. I think. Um, I think Hallett has gone through the draw quite, you know, with minimal fuss, and I think that is going to put her in kind of good stead for for a quarterfinal. Um, so yeah, interesting that yeah, Contivate's coach is yeah. Nigel Sears, yeah. Andy who... Murray's father-in-law. Kim Sears his dad, and uh, actually, he he had a nasty incident, didn't he, a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. What what so, happened there? I was, think he, um... he collapsed when he was in the box. Was he was he coaching? Was he coaching Anna Ivanovic at the time? And he sort of passed out or collapsed in in her box and had to be rushed off to hospital. Um, I don't know what year it was. It was quite a few years ago. Um, and he said apparently that he he um, I don't know whether he had a cardiac arrest or something, but he collapsed and he said it, it. he thought it was because he'd eaten a lot of sushi and the toxins from the sushi had like built up in his system and, and causing him to to collapse, which I've, I've never heard of that happening before from sushi, but he must have been eating quite a lot of it. Um, but yeah, so you'd have to put your money on Halep. Contivate, she, she obviously was in amazing form against Belinda Bencic, but her last round against Sviatek was a, was a very close match. So... I'm I'm gonna yeah give the edge to Halep and she she was my pre-tournament favorite so I'm I'm still hoping that she'll come through. Um, on the other side, well, at the other quarterfinal, we've got Muguruza, a resurgent Muguruza perhaps uh, against Pavlashenkova. So I think this one for me, I'm gonna give the edge to Muguruza just purely again because of her experience at Grand Slams. You know, she's been at this stage of the tournament before, whereas Pavlashenkova. She's lost every quarterfinal of a grandstand that she's ever played. So, I mean... Isn't Muguruza's head-to-head as well with Pavlachenkova is is pretty one-sided. And Kim, Muguruza's literally been just destroying opponents in her path uh, in the AO this year. The Svitolina, now that was a demolition. Svitolina, fifth seed, that was a demolition job. And I'm... I'm confident, and I'm, 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 you know, you know, I'm a Muguruza oh, no. fan. I feel like the win, the winner, the winner of Halep Contivate is going to be. They're just playing to be the loser to Muguruza oh, in the semi-final. <laughs> well, in, in well, she did opinion. also beat Keith uh, Burton's the ninth seat, so she's beaten you know two top ten players, and you know she's back with Conchita Martinez. They seem to be you know a very good team together, and um, I mean, yeah. Muguruza, you'd have to put your money on Muguruza. Just you know, she's she's won two slams before. Uh, interesting though, with Pavlochenkova, she seems to love the Australian Open because she is into this stage, the quarterfinals, for the third time in four years. So if she is going to reach the quarters of a slam, it's going to be Australia. Um, she must just feel really you know comfortable at home on the courts. But there is going to be, I think, a bit of a, a grudge match between the two of them because Pavlochenkova is now coached by Sam Sumik, who 
um, was formerly, you know, Muguruza's coach. So, and I think they didn't, her and him and Muguruza didn't, didn't part on the best of terms. So not entirely sure what went on there, but I think that's going to be a bit of maybe... Hopefully added, that will surface yeah, motivation tomorrow. We will see a little bit, of, little bit of heat in, in, yeah, in the match. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Pavlochenko, I saw um, some of her match against Kerber. It was, you know, Pavlochenko really should have should have won uh, the first set. She dropped the first set on a tie break, won the second on a tie break, came through in the third. But she 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 hit 71 winners in that match, which, um, you know, it must be, one. Uh, I don't know, is that a record for for the number of winners here, it, it was, you know, she did play, she, she has been playing very well. Um, but she, I do feel she gets, she's one of those players that gets tense at critical moments. And I, I don't put my faith in her when push comes to shove that she will come through. So, um, so Muguruza Hallett I, I semi-final. So. Yeah. Um, so I think looking, you know, a bit ahead, Barty against Hallett slash Muguruza. So I, I don't see a new slam winner. Uh, happening this tournament yeah yeah but we can all we can all rejoice in Muguruza's resurgence well, and none of them have won you know, the AA before it's... so uh, there'll be a new Australian <laughs> Open winner for sure hmm. but um yes and Muguruza is is back uh she'll be you know I, I think this well she's unseeded isn't she for this tournament she's ranked 32 at the moment so she must have just missed out on the seeding um but well, it hasn't mattered to her. She is she's in the quarters. We, we shall, shall see. see. Um, no, on the see. doubles, Joel. Um, you know, British success has not been great in the singles this tournament, but we have a semi finalist in the men's doubles, Joe Salisbury and his partner Rajiv Ram. They are in the semis of the men's doubles, and they're going to be playing Bublik and Kukushkin, who I think we saw play at the, at the Davis Cup. Did we say that? Yeah, we saw that yeah, with Kazakhstan yeah, in Davis we, Cup. We had a sort of public and Kukushkin. <laughs> so yeah, Joe Salisbury in the semis. So great, great stuff from Joe. He is working the magic out in Australia. But amazingly, we actually had three British uh, players in the men's doubles quarters. Um, he had Johnny O'Mara playing with Aravalo. They lost to Dodig and Palasic in the quarters. And then we had Ken Skupski and Santiago Gonzalez. They lost um, also in the quarters to Aussie wildcards, Savile and Purcell. So a bit, bit frustrating. Wow. Luke Savile. Yeah, and, and actually while, his yeah. partner Purcell, um, I think it might be Mark Purcell. They ha- he had basically had the same hair, you know, blonde and sort of a bit long. <laughs> I don't know how to describe men's hair. Oh, um, they look amazing. like twins. Yeah, it was amazing. strange. Um, but yeah, so Joe Saul's flying the flag. We do have Jamie in the mix with Bethany Massick-Sands as well. They're in the quarterfinals. Um so hopefully, hopefully we could still be on for two British uh, victories. Um, and the Bryans have also um, played their last ever Australian Open. Uh, they're doing like a retirement year. Um, so they, they bowed out um, also to Dodig and Palasic. Um And yeah, they won, they won it six times, the AO. So they have said goodbye to Melbourne Park for the last time. Um, and then just a note on Coco Goff and McNally. I know we said earlier on that, that she was playing, uh, that they were playing in the women's doubles. They're out. They lost to Babos and Milodinovic, who I think are looking pretty good uh, to defend their title. And also Nick Kyrgios was, uh, you know, playing with an Amanda and Isimova. They're out as well, lost to the fifth seeds. So, um yeah, and actually, I think in the women's doubles, it is the top four seeds that have made it through 
to the semis. So uh, could well be a Shea or Stritskova, Babos Mladenovic, Chan and Chan. Uh, and I think, is it, I can't say these names, Krecic, I'm not going to attempt it. Sinyakova, Sinyakova, and... But yeah, so I think also these doubles pairings, you know, they're trying to really prove their stuff, you know, with the Olympics in mind, because, you know, obviously it's... Same country. What the Czech Republic going to do? Yeah, what the Czech Republic going to do? Because Stritskova, you know, currently world number one in doubles, but you've got an established pairing of Sinyakova and Krecicikova. So that's a bit tricky, but... um, Anyway, <laughs> we also had today a bit of controversy, didn't we, Kim, on um, with Mar- surrounding Margaret Court and two uh, legends of the game in John McEnroe and uh, John McEnroe and Martina Navratilova. So John McEnroe came out, basically called Margaret Court a crazy aunt. Um, I think the Tennis Australia were they were recognising like her, you know, her achievements, I think it was 50 years on, you know, since she won, you know, all four Grand Slams. Um, and yeah, John McEnroe basically kind of took, you know, offense to this because of, you know, Margaret Court's uh, uh, you know, opinions due, due to her uh, religion. And um, yeah, he, he they've kind of hit McEnroe and Navratilova. They kind of did their own sort of protest, didn't they? They did. Uh, Navratilova was playing in the like invitational doubles. Um on Margaret Court Arena, I think. And then at basically at the end of the the Legends doubles, she and McEnroe came on to help her. They they unveiled a sign um that said Yvonne Goolagong Arena because they, they think it should be, you know, renamed after Yvonne Goolagong. Um and they she tried to start making a speech uh, on the umpire's chair, the, the microphone for the umpire's chair. And then controversially the TV feed was cut, you know, as soon as she started speaking. Um, and the Australian Open came out and said that, you know, Navratilova and McEnroe had had breached tournament protocols about how you should, uh, I don't know, be acting or behaving, which, I don't know, it just seems a bit, you know, to, to cut the live feed and to stop. It wasn't like they were being violent or anything. They were peacefully protesting and and making a point. And I, I don't know, I just, I just think that was a bit, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any further ramification for yeah. them, but they're I, entitled to have their opinion. Like they're tennis, you know, they're tennis, uh, you know, pundits, they're members of the tennis media. And I don't see why anyone, you know, I don't know why they should take umbrage at say what McEnroe said, you know, his comments that he made, because he's just responding to, you know, the comments that Margaret Court made, which have offended, you know, vast swathes of people. And I think it all kind of boils down to is I think, you know, Australian Open director Craig uh, Tilly said, you know, there's a difference between a recognition and a celebration of someone. Um, you know, her recognition is mm. for her tennis achievements only. And McEnroe is basically like, you can't, you can't separate yeah. the person yeah. from their achievements. Whereas it feels like you know, some people can. And, you know, I think well, yeah, maybe our listeners have a view on this. It's like, where, can can you do that? Or, you know, are they part and parcel of the yeah, same thing? Yeah, I think that's thing? a really and, um, interesting question, actually. Like, I, listeners, I, I would really encourage you. I, I'm really intrigued, actually, whether you can, um, whether you can separate the two. Because for me, I, I really struggle to. If I know that someone has a particular viewpoint that I 
you know, that I find deeply offensive to vast sectors of, of the population, then I, I just, I find that very difficult to, to then support that player on court. Um, I know we've had, you know, for example, Tennis Sangren, you know, he has come out and, you know, said some things that a lot of people don't agree with. And I think a lot of people, you know, find it very difficult to support him as a result, um, just as, as another case in point. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm unable to, you know, maybe I'm narrow-minded in, in being unable to separate the two. I mean, I can still appreciate that someone can play a very high standard of tennis and can, you know, act in a certain way on, on court that I don't find offensive. But I don't know, it's it's difficult to separate the two for me. So tell us what you think. <laughs> yeah, let us know what you think. Um, I think, yeah, moving on, uh, Kim, let's, let's finish on some... Well, actually, we've got two pieces of news left, but... Let's let's start with one about WTA coaching, actually, because um, they're going to they've said that they're going to now allow it um, from the box. So uh, not not at Sam's just on the on the tour, but you're able now you're going to be able now go over and speak to your coach and not. Well, I don't I don't think it's it's not going over and speech uh, speaking. It's it's they're allowing like hand signals, I think, from from the player's box. So I think they, you know, like what uh, Patrick Moradoglu was accused of doing, you know, when Serena had the, the, the issue, I don't know how to describe it at the US Open final against Osaka. Basically something like that would, would just be allowed because basically they've come out and kind of said, we know it's happening and most players are kind of benefiting from it anyway. They're just, you know, doing it in codes or it's, it's, it's going on at quite a widespread scale. So let's just make it legal. They're still going to have um, the on-court coaching where the coach can actually physically come onto the court um, at the change of ends. Um, I think they can do that. Is it once per set or twice per set? So, yeah, but it's just basically allowing these like signals and, I mean, I don't, I don't know if a player can physically walk over there and and chat. I, I'm not entirely sure. There probably is some kind of verbal element to it as well. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners also yeah. have opinions this, on uh, you know who, yeah. you know, should should this be allowed or yeah? Again, let us know uh, on uh, Twitter on our social feeds at Passing Shot Pod, uh, and also via email as well, Passing Shot Pod at gmail dot com. Uh, the last piece of information but last piece of news from today kim very sad news makarova has announced her retirement via instagram uh makarova is now no longer playing makarova. tennis i know very sad. yeah but she was she had sad. some good wins at the australian open i'm sure she didn't she beat venus williams like in the first round one year she's had I think some she's, big, she got to the yeah, semi-finals she's had some big scalps and yeah. obviously she was uh what world number one doubles player she played a lot with bestina so uh, that was my question oh. Kim I was going to ask you I was going to ask our listeners could you name her a doubles partner who I think she won I think she won three and grand I think slams they won with. the Olympic um, gold medal I think I think they did I correct me if I'm wrong listeners but yeah so she's she's no more um but I don't think she's been playing for a while I, I don't know if that's injury or yeah but yeah, bit of sad news. Um, anyway, we'll be back, I think, in a couple of days time to round up kind of the next few days play from the AO and anything else that might be going on as well. Uh, so I hope that you can all join us then. Uh, do let us know your thoughts and um, 
any anything you'd like us to discuss um, on at Passing Shot Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, you know you can also email us passingshotpod at gmail dot com. Uh, but until then, hope you enjoy all the action from the Australian Open, and we will see you next time. Bye.